Welcome to our online campus. We are so glad you are joining us today. We want you to know that we are a church that is for you and we believe God is too. Take a moment before we get started to grab a coffee and invite a friend to join you online. You can do that by clicking the blue button under the video or by texting them our link, gracefreechurch.live. If you are new here, click the gray connect button. We would love to connect with you and add you to our email list so you don't miss out on anything going on at Grace. We also have a gift for you. Use the chat section on this page so you can engage in our online community. Feel free to jump in. We'd love to hear from you. We're about to get started with worship and then a message from God's word that will make sense for your life, followed by a few more songs. Please know that we are praying for you, we are here for you, and we are excited to worship our God together.
chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the life of Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. You have done great things. Oh God, you do great Shall I fear? Who then shall I? 
never let go, Lord, you never let go of me.
have a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for being who you are, being almighty, being all-loving. And we pray that as we look at your word today, we pray that you might be our teacher. We pray that only those things that are according to your word, only those things will be taken by your spirit and applied to our lives. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Once upon a time, in a land far away, there was a woman who was great with child. Now, when I say this woman was great with child, I mean this woman was really great. You know what I mean? Delivery came, and it was long and hard. Finally, it was over. The doctor said, wow, he's a whopper. The dad said, hey, that's my boy. And the mother said, Phew. And they called his name Goliath. Now, Goliath grew up and up and up and up. And then he grew up some more. He went off to school. He was always the first one picked for every team. He started each recess by standing up tall, pounding his chest and saying, I'm king of the mountain. I can beat all the rest of you guys one hand tied behind my back. You can't beat me. You can't win. You lose. Give up. The guys were all afraid of him. The girls thought he had cooties. Finally, he made it to high school. In high school, he went out for football. He was the entire offensive line, and he was the entire defensive line. Now, Goliath would begin each play by standing up tall, pounding his chest, and saying, I'm king of the mountain. I can beat you guys one hand tied behind my back. You can't beat me. You lose. Give up. You can't win. The guys were still afraid of him. The girls thought he was a monster. Finally, in his sophomore year, at the age of 25, he decided to quit high school, and he joined the army. His nation, the Philistines, was at war with Israel. Now, around the same time that Goliath was born, in a land not far from where Goliath was born, there was another woman who was great with child, but she wasn't very great at all. Delivery was fast and relatively easy. The doctor said, Sorry, it seems like every family gets one runt. The father said, This is embarrassing. What am I going to do with a little guy like that? I know. I'll make him a shepherd. I'll send him out into the fields. I'll give him a harp, and he can write poetry. Nobody will ever see him. His mother said, isn't he cute? And they called his name David. Now David grew up, but not too up. He went off to school. All the boys wanted him to be their buddy. The girls thought he was cute. 
In high school, he was the prom king, and he was class president. The guys all liked him, and the girls thought he was hot. After high school, David would go back to watching the sheep, while his brothers joined the army. Israel was at war with the Philistines. Well, one day, his father called him in from the fields and said, I'd like you to deliver a care package to your brothers. A pizza. After all, everybody knows about military food, right? So while he's talking to his brothers, suddenly they hear somebody crying out loud, I'm king of the mountain. I can beat you guys one hand tied behind my back. You can't win, you lose, give up, you can't beat me. It was our old friend Goliath. So David reached down and picked up five magic stones. And he ran out and he threw one of the stones and, and it hit Goliath in the forehead and he fell. Dead. Now the moral of the story is, as you know, big things come in small packages or don't count your chickens till they're hatched. Now, I know you've all heard that story before. But don't you just love those new translations? They bring out so much, right? That was a, a newer translation. You've heard of the NIV, KJV, NASB. That was the DBP, the Don Baker Perversion. Anyhow, what I'm going to do, um, in, in order to save time, I was told I only had an hour and a half today. And what's not, it's exciting about this is, you know, there's not another service today. <laughs> I can keep going, right? <laughs> to one. Yeah, okay, I heard that. He's a good man. <laughs> yeah, make him an elder. <laughs> now I lost my place. See what you did? Anyhow, let's go back to our story. First, we want to look at the setting. Now, I'm not going to refer to, I'm not going to read the verses. I just want you to follow along uh, in your Bibles. If you're born in the 20th century, follow along in your computers. If you're born in the 21st century, I don't know what you guys do. All I know is I have Pennsylvania Dutch in me, and I think a lot of it happens to be Amish, if you know what I mean. So I'm just going to refer to them, and I want you to follow along. First, we see the setting, verses 1 through 3. It takes place in the Valley of Elan. Now, the Valley of Elan was a dried-up riverbed. In the winter, it had rain, it had water, and so the water would cause the rocks to tumble and, and be smooth and nice and round, perfect for a slingshot. Now, the Valley of Elan was about 20 feet deep. It's about up to those black things there, whatever they are. Yeah, yeah that's, that's about, yeah, that'd be about 20 feet. Not the gray things, but the black things. The gray things are, are soldiers, you know. You know, I, I, if you don't know, I'm a visual learner, so I visualize things, and I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture here. So there you have the, the, the river, and you have the soldiers. Now, it's about 40 feet wide, which is, I think, about the size of this sanctuary. Is that right? I see a head shaking, yes. Good man. So... We, we are in the Valley of Elon right now. You see the soldiers on both sides, okay? Now, that's the scene. Now, this passage gives us three C's about times when we face giants. First, let me introduce the champion. 
4 through 7. Why, it's our old friend Goliath. Now, Goliath stood six cubits tall. Can you imagine six cubits tall? Now I hear that. I don't know what it is either. No, it's actually the distance from your elbow to the tip of your finger. It's usually the king, and they, so you go and measure like that way. It's usually considered to be about 18 inches. So what Goliath is, is about between nine and nine and a half feet tall. Pretty big guy. Now, what else we know about him is that he was not skinny. His armor weighed 125 pounds. Think about that. The head of a spear alone weighed 15 pounds. Some commentators say that that's about, that would mean that his spear was probably about the size of a small telephone pole. Now I look around and I see besides myself, I don't think too many of you guys could throw that. That's a joke. Yeah, nobody, they're just not laughing. You guys don't understand. When I say something, a joke or I'm saying something that I think is funny, you're supposed to laugh. That's called audience participation. What it is, is I want to know that you're awake, okay? Now we got that settled. Now where was I? First we see the champion, old Goliath. Now again, like I said, he was a big man. Really big. Now, uh, I've listened to a lot of sermons from Josh, and he keeps referring to the 80s. He keeps singing those songs, you know. It's like he's trying to convince us that the songs in the 80s were actually good, you know. <laughs> I'm not convinced. But anyhow, let me, get, let me get someone from the 80s. Manute Bo. Anybody remember him? Yeah. He was a basketball player. Seven and a half feet tall. He weighed about 55 pounds. Yeah. I don't know if he was any good or not, but, you know, if he ran down the court, if you saw him from the side, you, you had a hard time seeing him. And if you threw the ball, the ball might hit him here and explode. You know, I don't know. Goliath was not like that at all. He was a big man. Now, the word used for champion here is rather interesting. You know, it's, it's interesting. In school, I, I studied Greek and Hebrew, and Greek was an interesting language. Had all kind, it was very rich. Hebrew was really a primitive language, and kind of boring, and you read from the left, from the right to the left, from the back of the book to the front. I don't know, I always thought all they had to do is that they turn the Bible, they turn their books upside down, turn it around, they might get it right, you know. But anyhow, the Hebrew is not very expressive. But in this passage, there's a lot of interesting words. The word for champion means one who fights between the lines. Now, that's interesting. You have a line of soldiers there, a line of soldiers there. The champion is in the, in the middle. And what that was referring to is sometimes back then, when two armies were facing each other, what they did is instead of fighting, they would choose one champion from each team, each army. And the two champions would then fight, and the loser, well, his, his buddies would have to surrender. Save time and blood. So Goliath is out there. He's, he's putting out the challenge. Here I am. Come and fight me. I'm king of the mountain. I can beat you guys one hand tied behind my back. You can't win. Give up. 
Goliath, notice his trust, verses 8 through 10. He trusted in his size and his strength. He cried out that he couldn't be beat. Note, note the reaction. Note the fear that it caused. Verse 11. The Israelite soldiers saw him and they were afraid. They allowed what they saw to dictate to them how they were going to respond. Now think about that. Here's God's people. His spiritual people. And God is spirit. Yeah, bless you. I lost my face again. <laughs> Here we have God's spiritual people, and they're supposed to see God. They're supposed to see things spiritually. And what are they, what are they doing here? They're seeing things physically. They're seeing what everybody else was seeing. They saw Goliath. They saw his size, and they were afraid. But these were God's people. You don't have to see things the way the world sees them. Can you imagine spiritual people seeing things from an unspiritual way? Never heard of that before, have we? Note David's commitment, verses 12 through 15. Well, I've got I to introduce him first, don't I? That was our champion. Now the challenger is David, 12 through 40. Now Goliath depended upon his physical strength. David depended on his spiritual qualities. Notice commitment, verses 12 through 15. At home, he acted like a servant. He was out watching the sheep. Now that's a job that was reserved for servants or slaves. Now what's this, what makes this especially significant is, in the previous chapter, if you go back there and look, you find that David has already been anointed the new king. So what's the first thing we see the new king doing? Watching sheep. What's the second thing we see him doing? Running an errand for his brothers. David was committed to be a servant. A servant of God. Next, we see his commitment expressed publicly. 17 through 27. Now, let's try to visualize this. Now, we don't know how tall David was. We know that his brothers were tall. Previous chapter says that. So I, I'm just going to say that David was the average height, and, and that is five foot six back then, which is my height. So I'll be David. Now, that's, and the average weight was about 125 pounds, which is the weight of Goliath's armor. Now, I, as I said, I'm a visual learner, so I like to have Goliath come up. Wayne, you're Goliath. <laughs> I need somebody tall. Come on up here. He's pretty big. Yeah, he's a big guy. Stand here. Now, Goliath is four feet taller than David. Now, that's not four feet, so I'll get down here. Is that about four feet taller? Okay, welcome to WrestleMania number one. In this corner, in the black tights, at nine foot six, weighing 600 pounds, 
He likes to beat up people. The current champion, Goliath. Boo. In this corner, wearing white tights, five foot six, 125 pounds. Hey. <laughs> I used to weigh 125 pounds. Uh, hey, that was 40, 50, 60 years ago I weighed 125 pounds. Now you made me lose my face again, man. David is, the, is a challenger, David. He likes, to, he likes to write poetry, plays the harp, and now he's facing Goliath. Place your bets. Who's going to win? Thank you, Goliath. Wait, I got some stones here. Oh. <laughs> so that's the situation. What do you think? You think he had a chance? On the surface, David did not have a chance at all. But David wasn't seeing things the way people saw things, the rest of the people saw. He wasn't depending upon surface things. He wasn't depending upon the things that you see. Now, I think sometimes people think of this as a battle between a small guy and a big guy. Well, I don't think it's that way at all. I think it's a battle between two giants, a physical giant and a spiritual giant. David wasn't seeing things the way everybody else saw it. Oh, he saw Goliath's size. But David saw something more. David had spiritual eyes and he saw God. And God was a lot bigger than Goliath. Next, we see his faith in action. Verse 26 to 28, David's friends, David's brothers, when they hear that David is going out to fight Goliath, they, they make fun of him. You can't beat him. Go back to those stupid sheep. You can't beat Goliath. Now, this also tells us something about David's brothers. It tells us why they probably weren't, were not chosen to be king. In the previous chapter, we see that they were rejected. They were tall and handsome, but they lacked something. They lacked the spiritual that David had. In challenging, and David knew that in challenging God's people, Goliath was actually challenging God. Note how he responds, verse 29. Now, some translations bring it out. It says, he's saying what he's saying here is, this is a cause. This is a cause worth standing up for. This is a cause worth fighting for. This little guy is challenging the mighty God. And we can't let that go. It's a cause to stand up for. We should never worry about what people say. We should only worry about what God says. Verse 11, 31 rather, we see David going up to Saul. And I, I think it is kind of like Saul saying, okay, where's our champion? Where's our, hey, shepherd boy, get out of the way. I want to see our champion. And when he realizes that David is the champion, notice what he says. He says, you can't win. 
Who do you think you are? You can't beat a giant. David's brothers mock him. The political leaders mock him. Goliath makes fun of him. Why, nobody thinks he can win. Well, take that back. One person thought he could win. David did. And the reason that David felt he could win because he had a cause. He was making a stand for God. When we believe the way David did, we also can win big battles. We need to have faith in God. David's faith gave him experiences, verses 34 through 37. Now, David, had, he said he already beat a bear and a lion. Now, let's change the metaphor here. We had WrestleMania. Now we got the Super Bowl. David is a saint. He's already beat the lions and the bears. And now he's facing the giants. I knew some of you would get that. David knew that God would give him victory. The God who gives victories in the past is the same God who can give victories in the present and in the future. And that's why I like the Old Testament. I think we skip that too much. God never changes. What you've seen God doing back then, he can do it again. David's faith gave him confidence. David cries out, You come to me with a sword and a javelin, but I come in the name of the Lord Almighty, whom you have mocked. Those around David saw a giant that could not be beat. David saw a giant that he couldn't miss. Finally, we see the conflict. Now, David continues to rely on God, and Goliath mocks him. He tells him, you can't beat me. You lose. And isn't that the way of giants? They try to destroy your faith. They want you to look at things only from a physical point of view. Giants will attack you trying to destroy your faith, telling you that faith can't beat a giant. But David continues to rely upon God. Verse 48 says something rather interesting. It says, David ran. I don't find that surprising. If I was in David's sandals, I would run too. Only he ran towards Goliath. It's as if he's saying, Oh, those poor sheep out there, they're all by themselves. I better get out there. I don't know. what. Someone needs to watch them, and you're just standing in my way. Let's get this over with. You have a lot of faith. It's like they say, if you have to swallow a frog, don't waste time looking at it. Let that sink in. Now, before the final conflict, David picks up five stones from the riverbed. Now, I enjoy reading what people say about the Bible. I enjoy commentaries, see what the experts are saying. And I found it interesting here. One of the commentators, 
shall remain nameless, famous guy. He said that these stones were bullet-shaped. Now, if the idea that David is walking along the valley and looks down and says, oh, look at that, that looks like 30-30 shells. <laughs> I think I'll pick them up and in 3,000 years, my ancestors might find use for these. Now, if that idea blesses you, who am I to take away a blessing? Be blessed. I don't think necessarily that he were bullet-shaped. Several commentators stated that there was a reason that he picked up five. Each of those five stones stood, stood for something. Some of them even said they stood for his brothers. But, you know, the thing is, what these guys were saying is that he had spiritual significance to those five stones, and so they did five sermons on those stones alone. Now, can you imagine if he had one of those modern pants on with those big pockets to go way down? Can you imagine how many stones he could have had? He could have preached several years on them. I guess what I'm saying is I tend to think that the reason he picked up five stones was that's all the room he had in his pocket. I don't know. As far as David was concerned, he had already won the battle. God was as real to David as Goliath was real to his brothers. And David believed in an all-powerful God. Now, the idea of an all-powerful God probably never occurred to poor old Goliath. Nothing like that had ever entered in his mind. He probably felt that whoever believed something like that must have rocks in their brains. But this time, that idea hit him right between the eyes. He got the point, and it left a lasting impression on him. Now, some are quick to disagree with what I just said. They say, hey, he didn't remember that. Goliath was stoned. Now, in spite of the physical situation that David was in, he believed God. And he believed that God could defeat a giant. And therefore, he achieved a great victory. Now, if you notice this passage, too, when he meets the king, he says, I've already slain a lion and a bear. But after Goliath, after his battle with Goliath, notice what he says. He says, that wasn't me. That was God that did that. Now, I thought about this quite a bit. Now, you have to go back. Remember, did, what did Goliath have on? He had armor, right? And what was armor used for? To re deflect arrows, swords, and stones thrown, thrown from a slingshot. Now, a helmet, helmets back then usually covered the forehead, didn't they? And sometimes they actually covered the nose. Now, where did the stone that David threw, where did it hit? Right between the eyes up here. What was there? Probably a helmet. And what happened? The stone went into his forehead. It was God. Now, because of what's been going on in this church the last few weeks, I don't know if I was successful or not. I tried to be a little light today. 
I don't know if you noticed that. But, actually the message is not light at all. It's very, very important. Now, I don't think any of us are going to face a Goliath, except for right here, you know. I don't think any of us are going to run into a giant named Goliath. But you know, there are too many times in my life when I've had a situation where in the back of my mind, I have heard the words, you can't win. You lose. Give up. You can't beat this situation. I didn't call him Goliath. I had other names for him. Some of them I won't repeat. But anyhow, I think every one of us faces giants, don't we? We just don't call him Goliath. We call him things like Depression, money problems, marital problems, addictions, depression, rejection, memories, lust, sicknesses and illnesses. And we can go on. There are more and more and more. We all face giants. And we have the same three choices that David had. Let me add something here. You don't have to completely destroy a giant to beat him. You just have to knock him down to size. We can depend on our own abilities. David was a, a good slingshotter. I don't know, is that a word? It is now. He was a good little slingshot. And when Goliath saw David, what, did his, what was his response? You can't beat me. You can turn to other people for help. Sometimes people can help. But you know, sometimes they don't help, do they? Sometimes they actually make it worse. David went to his brothers. And what did they say to him? You can't win, David. David went to his political leader. And what did he say? You can't win. And Goliath said, you can't win. Or you could, we can do what, God, what David did. We can depend on God. Knowing that God is all-powerful, knowing that God is all-good, knowing that he only wants what's best for you. And I might add something here, too. I think sometimes we make a mistake here. We, too often, like to keep God in a bottle. He's like a genie, right? He's on the shelf, he's in the bottle, we have a cork on it, and when we have a problem, we take him down from the shelf and we take off the cork. God pops up and we say, hey, can you take care of this problem? He takes care of the problem. We say, okay, get back in the bottle. He gets back, put the cork back, and put it back on the shelf. And he, we say, you stay there until I need you again. But you know what? That's not the way it should be. David had faith. Why did he have faith? Because he developed that faith when things were good in his life. If you don't know what I'm saying, read the Psalms. While David was watching the sheep, he was thinking about God. He was building up his relationship with God. And that's the time to build up your faith, is when things are going smoothly. And when you do that, you'll find that when it comes time to facing a giant, God will come through for you. And you know, someday you will face a giant. God is a cause we're standing for. 
And when you face a giant and you depend upon God, you will see giants fall. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for the promises you give in your word. We thank you that you never change, that you are all-powerful. And we pray that we would have faith in you, that we would develop that faith, that we would grow to be more like you. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning, Grace family and friends. We are so glad you have joined us to worship at our online campus. I want to take a moment and talk a bit about why we as a church encourage giving. Did you know that giving is considered an act of worship? It's true. Paul addressed the Philippian church on this very thing. In Ephesians 4, 18 through 19, Paul states, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul, of course, is referring to their offerings here. Paul continues, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul used these gifts to further the mission of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And just like Paul, our mission at Grace Free Church is to share this good news throughout Schuylkill County. We want you to be a part of this mission as well. By partnering with us, we can reach the people of Schuylkill County. In fact, we can't do it without you. You may be thinking, how, how do I partner with Grace Free Church? Well, one way is through giving. We made this partnership process very simple. In fact, we have several methods to assist you in joining this mission. You can mail your gift to the church. You can text your gift to 570-528-2060, or you can give online by clicking the Give Online button on this page. The Give Online button also has a recurring giving option, which is a great way to schedule your gift giving. We appreciate you and are excited to see what God has in store for this church.
Thanks for joining us for this service. We hope and pray it was meaningful for you. We want you to know that we are for you and God is for you too. We will be putting out a ton of great content to help you through the week. You can check all of that out by following us on social media or making sure we have your email address by clicking the connect button. We hope you know you are loved here, but way more importantly, God loves you. Have a great week.